second week in which I am going to continue to share on our series or our emphasis this year, which is it's time to impact for Christ. Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 <coughs> to 16. I want to read it. Say to your neighbor, it's time to impact for Christ. I want to impact for our Lord Jesus. I want my life to make a difference for his glory. Matthew 5 from verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We're talking about it's time to impact for Christ. And throughout this year, and certainly in the subsequent years, we as a church and as a movement of churches believe that we want to focus on impacting outwardly. We don't want to be inward looking. We want to be outward looking. And we want to impact for Christ. And for us, impact has the following applications. Impact is leadership through influence for Christ. Impact means fulfilling our mission to make disciples. Impact will require devotion to prayer for Christ's sake. Impact is demonstrated through kingdom authority in the name of Christ. Impact demands that we are a blessing in the community for Christ. And impact will require team life in Christ. So for us, impact really is encapsulated by these verses, which is for us to be salt and light. And uh, we want to impact for Christ in three specific areas as his disciples, in our community, and to the nations. So last week, we began to talk about the fact that impact requires us to be salt of the earth, to be salt of the earth. Matthew 5 verse 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. And we talked about the fact that we have to be careful or beware lest our salt loses its saltiness. In other words, we no longer are good for anything as believers. We no longer are relevant the way God requires us to be. In the first century church, you will discover that our Lord Jesus spoke to seven churches, seven very powerful churches in the eyes of men. Ephesus, which was pastored at that time by Timothy, who had been a disciple of the Lord Jesus. A very hard-working church. A very active church. 
And when Jesus spoke to Timothy, who was the messenger or the angel of that church, he commended him for many things, but he said, I have this against you. You have lost your, you have left your first love. And he said, repent and go back to the first works. And then he goes to each of the church leaders, speaks to the church leaders about their church. And then with each message he gives, he, some of it he gives like a warning. Some of it he will just say, you know, um, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. But today, all of those churches, maybe except for Ephesus, in fact, all of those churches no longer actually exist today. Why? Because for whatever reason, they ceased to be sought. And uh, for us as a church, and certainly for me as a church leader, I know that if the Lord was to inspect us right now, we would be found wanting. Certainly if he was to inspect me, I would be found wanting. Not because I'm stealing church money or I'm indulging in pornography or I'm lying or I'm cheating or I'm living an immoral life or I'm not trying to be consistent with my faith. But simply because there will be things that are lacking in this church. And because they're lacking in this church as they pastor or as a leader, the first person that he would talk to, I am lacking. But we certainly are lacking. And we are in danger as a church if we think that because God has blessed us, because God has helped us this far, that uh, we are doing really well. In the eyes of men, it may look that way. But the only one whose examination counts in our lives is who? The Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? And so for us, this desire or this emphasis to impact is in order for us to be relevant for Christ the way he wants us to. Now remember, it is a time to impact for Christ, not just to impact. It's to impact for Christ. There are many people who do great things on the earth. But at the end of the day, unless it is done in the name of the Lord Jesus... For his glory, it is meaningless. So today I want to talk about impact requires us to be light, to be the light of the world. So we're going to talk about the fact that he, we, last week we talked about being salt. Today we're going to talk about being light. Verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. You, as in disciples of Jesus Christ, we are the light of the world. Now, the world is in a state of complete darkness. The world is in darkness. Isaiah 61 to 5 enumerates on this. Last year, as we talked about leap, we dwelt on this verse where he says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. He said, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The point is, is this. The only expectation the church can have concerning the world is darkness. Because God says that deep darkness covers the earth and the peoples of the earth. He said, behold, darkness will cover the earth and deep or gross darkness, the people. So when you find that the world is getting darker, and darker in his values. It's getting more and more hostile to God and the things of God. 
it should not surprise us as God's people. Because the world is dark because that is its nature. In John chapter 3, verses 19 to 21, this is what our Lord says. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. So anybody who does not like being told the truth is in some form or another embracing darkness. Now, the world does not like the truth. As in reality, when it comes to Jesus Christ, when it comes to what is morally right in God's eyes, what is right sexually, what is right behaviorally, what is right maritally, socially, when you begin to talk about what God's word actually says, it becomes an offense to the world. And so it will be. You know, the first century church, they were so countercultural culture that the Roman Empire saw Christians as enemies to the state. We were enemies to the state. We were a people that the, the state considered traitors. Beloved, that is the world. He says, but he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. I mean, this is a clear principle of reality. If you like the truth, you don't mind being examined. You don't mind your life coming under scrutiny, your beliefs coming under scrutiny, your behavior coming under scrutiny. You don't mind it. Why? Because you are light and you like light. Can you say amen, somebody? The world is not light and cannot be light. And if we are seeking to find light in the world, we will only end up in frustration because light is contrary to the nature of the world. But in the church, we are supposed to see light. In the church, we are supposed to be light. Can you say amen? Now, Jesus, our Lord, is the true light. John 1, 4 and 5, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend or overpower it. Jesus is the true light. Now, the, the world is lost and without hope of any salvation or direction because it has no light. But Jesus is the light that comes into the world to give it life. He says, in him, Christ, was life. And that life was the light of men. In him was vitality, ability, fruitfulness, reality. And that life is what brought light to men. That showed us this is the way we are supposed to live. This is the way we are supposed to go. Jesus is the light, and his light is our life. Now, the reason why there is so much darkness in the world is because there's not enough Jesus being made evident. It's as simple as that. We're going to go to our verse in a minute in Matthew 
but I want to lay this foundation for you to understand what we're talking about when we talk about impact and being light to our world. John 8, 12 says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of what? Life. The light of life. In other words, they will have the light that results in true living. John 12, 46, he says, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me or puts their trust in me or relies upon me should not remain or abide in darkness. So whenever you put your confidence in Jesus, it has an automatic reaction to the darkness. It takes you out of darkness. But if you put your confidence in yourself and in your way of doing things and in your way of seeing things, then what happens? You remain in darkness. John 9, 5, he says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Has Jesus left the world? I said, has Jesus left the world? Well, the man Christ Jesus left a long time ago, but his body is still on the earth. Are you still here? So as disciples of Jesus Christ, it is not enough for us to have private and personal holiness that does not demonstrate the light of Jesus to the world. It's not enough. Many of us, our faith is very private and personal. So private and personal, nobody knows about it. We ourselves wonder sometimes whether it's there. We must, we should have, of course, we should have private and personal holiness. Of course, it's very important. Say to your neighbor, it's good to be holy when nobody's watching. It is. It's very important. Hallelujah. It's the foundation. But we must also have public exposure of good works. Our works must be public. But here's the question. What are those good works? Now, I just want to destroy something right now. Many Christians think good works is simply doing charitable things, nice things. Feeding the homeless, uh, cutting grass for old people and young people. Uh, what other good thing do people do these days? Looking after people's children, that's a nice one. That really helps when you have children. I can testify. What else? What other good works are there? Giving your pastor, no, no. What other good works are there? Giving people money. <laughs> what's that, what's that? Visiting sick people. My question, all the things I've mentioned, can't people in the world do it? Can't a Satanist do it? Can't, okay, I won't mention any other religion because can't a Hindu do it? Can't a Muslim do it? In fact, can't, in fact, some atheists do it better than many Christians. So what is the good works? Well, let's look at what Jesus' works were called good works. Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good 
and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So here, the good works of Jesus has to do with the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon his life. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit for him to do certain things. And as he did those things, they were called good works. Now, you can do charitable works under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and those will be good works, of course. You can cut somebody's grass under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and that will be good works if it's being done in the name of Jesus, of course. But it goes beyond that. Let's look at John chapter 9, verse 1 to 5. Now, as Jesus, these, some of these verses, I didn't give it in your notes. So, you know, there you go. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must do or I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no, no one can work. Look, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So now he connects being light with the supernatural works of bringing sight to a blind man. Are you still here? So, the point is this. In fact, when you look at the rest of the narrative, when Jesus performed that miracle and caused that blind man's eyes to be opened, he declared certain revelations about his assignment and his purpose that when embraced brings us into eternal life. Just as a little torchlight or a candle in a dark room becomes the center of attraction, so also believers who reflect the light of Jesus, the true light of Jesus, will become an irresistible source of inspiration to those they minister to. It is one thing to give a blind man money, which is a good thing. It's another thing to give them sight. Are you still there? You see, for us as a church, I'm never going to be satisfied until I see authentic New Testament reality in our lives. I'm not satisfied until I see the raw power of God. Pop, proper power. Not psychosomatic uh, suggestions. Now, real power. I've seen little, little, little specks of it in my life. But I, am, I have not seen anything. If I, I said to the Lord today, or yesterday, I can't remember, I saying to him, I want you to give me a double portion this year of all the anointing that we've had over the years in terms of deliverance. I remember once in, in my journey, once when it came to deliverance ministry, literally we could look at someone demonized and the demon had to come out. We can't do that today. But we want to have a double portion of that. We'll think about them and they'll come out in Jesus' name. <laughs> what am I saying? For me, I'm not going to be satisfied with anything other than New Testament reality. Our Lord says, greater works than these shall you do. Because I go to the Father. I've read many commentators about greater works. And uh, we try to say the greater works is the summation of what the church does, of course. 
But look at some of the details in Acts chapter, in the book of Acts. Jesus' shadow never healed anyone, but Peter's shadow healed. That's a greater work. Now, listen, I don't, you know what? I just want the same works. Same works. Just the same works. Are you still here? Yeah. Give us even half the works, Lord. <laughs> even, even, even allow some of the Old Testament saints anointing to show the anointing on Elisha, which is totally inferior to the new covenant. Even that, we're not even walking on it. We will walk in it in Jesus' name. So, what am I saying? The kind of light we're talking about is to reveal who Jesus really is. Who Jesus really is in a given context. That's the kind of works we are talking about. Not the Jesus we have made in our own image. A European looking effeminate man. No. He's a Jewish man. But that's not even the issue. He's a supernatural man. And his church is supernatural. The tragedy is that even though we are called to be light, we are not using the light God has given to us to provide the world with life. If we as a church and as individuals wish to impact in the coming years, we must intentionally turn on our light and hold it high so that everyone can see. That means we must intentionally begin to turn on the supernatural dimension of our faith. The reality of Jesus Christ influencing behavior that causes us to be changing on a daily basis. Once we used to swear, we don't swear anymore. Once we were involved in pornography, we're not doing that anymore. Once we used to cheat, we don't cheat anymore. Now what we do is we speak words of life. We minister healing. We share the gospel. We bring deliverance to the oppressed. We are solutions to problems because of the life of Jesus producing light through our lives. When it comes to our faith, if we want to be light, we must stop apologizing for our faith. We must stop apologizing for our values. We must stop apologizing for our practices. Listen, when you carry the real power of God and you are being challenged by somebody who does not know God, and you can then demonstrate to them the supernatural power. That silences any argument. Paul, the apostle, was preaching. And a guy who was a very powerful magician, a bit like Dynamo and those guys, began to resist him. As he was preaching the gospel, Elymas was resisting him. So Paul looked at him and said, you know what? You are just so twisted. You're so dark. You're going to go blind for a season. End of. Can you imagine? Now the PC Christians will say, ah, is that even godly? Is that even? The guy went blind immediately and Sergius Paulus got saved. You've gone quiet. It's in the Bible though. I'm not making up a story. It's actually there. 
I'm not saying go and curse people. I'm just saying, I'm just saying the reality of the power of God is what we must crave for. This is why we're praying every day. This is why we're praying every day. Now, most of you are not involved in this. Some might even despise it. But we're praying every day, morning, noon, and night, mostly morning and night. And the reason, and we're asking God for the same thing over and over and over again in obedience to scripture because, see, many years ago, one of the prophets said to me, your church will one day enter a move of God, a powerful move of God, and you will have to administrate it. And when I started CLF many, many years ago, the Spirit of God spoke to me very clearly and said, because I wanted to move out of this southeast area. I'm a southwest guy. I was brought up in uh, Wandsworth. And, uh, anyone know about Wandsworth? I was brought up in Stockwell and Vauxhall. Anyone know about Stockwell and Vauxhall? I kind of hang around in Battersea. Anyone know about Battersea? Don't know anything about Charlton and uh, Woolwich and Tam uh, and all kind of strange names. So I wanted, when I started the church, I wanted to move it back to the turf where I was used to. And the Spirit of God said this. The Lord wants you to stay in Greenwich and become a catalyst for revival. After that, you can move on. Now, I've been here for over 20 years. I've been seeing no revival. So last year, I said to myself, you know what? If I'm not careful, 50 years will come and go, and I'll be an old man, and I'll be dead, and I'll see nothing. So from now onwards, I am going to begin to pray for this revival. Because I was kind of believing that it would just happen one day, you know. And it hasn't happened for over 20 years. So that's kind of like, you know, it ain't going to happen. So that's one of the reasons why we're praying every day. And praying every day and praying every day. And that's one of the reasons why we began to seek to live a fasted life before God. Because at the end of the day, I know I don't look it. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, we have to see the real power of God that changes communities, that causes chains to be broken, that causes souls to be saved, that removes demonic oppression from people. Yeah. Can you say amen? And when you are doing that, you don't have to apologize for for what you believe. Because when they come to challenge you and they have a sick child and you command healing in that child, all the challenge disappears. Listen, don't apologize for what you believe. No one else, like I said last week, no one else is apologizing except Christians. The homosexuals are not apologizing. The Muslims are not apologizing. Football fanatics do not apologize. They go all out in celebration until they come to church. Then suddenly they're like this. And as we worship in church, I don't show emotion. Build your throne. But in the football pitch, kick them off. Yeah! British, black people, and white people, the same. So the church is the city set on a hill for impact. Matthew 5 again, verse 14. He said, a city, second section, a city that is set on a hill. Cannot be hidden. So, we're talking about being light. And we're talking about the fact that the light we are talking of is the light that reveals Jesus. Jesus in his true manifestation. What we saw in the book of Acts. 
and what we see in places from time to time that push in to God's purposes is what we want to see. And he says, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, just, now you have to understand the context there. In those days, like we said last week, cities were built on a hill. And they were not just built on a hill, they were built on like rocks at times, like on a, on a, on a kind of a, an elevated place. And many times they were built with lime scale, so it kind of looked white. So when, during the day, when the sun would shine, it would radiate. And then, not all cities were like this, but some cities were like this. And at night, because of the light and the moonlight, it would kind of radiate. And people could see that city and know where it is and walk towards it. And that's the analogy that our Lord is using. It acted, cities acted as a beacon for directing travelers towards its location. In the same way as a church, as we build with the kind of good works the Bible talks about, it becomes easy for the world to say that is the place of solution. That is the place where we want to go to. That is the place. But if, as a church, what we are about is feel-good factors, what we are about is just uh, ourselves, and there is no relevance. When I talk about relevance, I am not talking about being liked by the world. I'm talking about being able to solve problems that the world is having in the name of Jesus. If that is not being seen, then, beloved, we are not being the light. The disciple, you and I, is the lamp he has designed for impact. Verse 15. He said, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. You have been lit for a purpose. And that was you have been saved for a purpose. Christ came into your life for a purpose. And whenever believers forget their purpose, they begin to embrace darkness. I said to somebody the other day, in fact, I was saying to Pastor John the other day, I said, what has saved us, me and him, and people like us, is the fact that we gave ourselves to the work of God when we were young. We gave our strength to the work of God. And because we gave our strength to the work of God when we were young, it protected us from certain things and empowered us in other things. And the bonus was we were able to get rewards for what we are doing for Jesus in the age to come. Hmm. You have been saved for a purpose. In other words, God saved you to be his light to your household. They do not light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. You are supposed to give light to all who are in your house. That word house, household, has to do with our sphere of influence. Our sphere of influence are to see the light of Jesus in us, and through that, enter into the life of God. That's what is supposed to happen. They will either reject the light, or they will embrace the light, but they will not be able to deny your light. Paul said in Philippians 3.12, not that I have already 
attained or I'm already perfected. But I press on, help me with the time, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Beloved, never forget this. He laid a hold of you for a reason. He laid a hold of us for a reason. He laid a hold of you for a reason. He saved you for a purpose. There is a destiny on your life located in God that he wants to reveal through you. You cannot allow your journey here on earth to take place without entering into your destiny in God. Can you say amen? And you fulfill your destiny. Ten more minutes and then I'm done. You fulfill your destiny when you allow the light of Christ to shine through you to those you interact with and to those he sends you to. That's how we fulfill our destiny. When we allow the light of Christ to shine through us in whatever given context. At times people think their destiny is to become a doctor or a lawyer or an architect. or No, 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 no. Those are vehicles through which you reveal your destiny. That's not your destiny. They are the vehicles through which you reveal your destiny. Just like being a pastor is not my destiny. It's a vehicle through which I reveal my destiny. Yeah. Are you still here? Let Christ shine through you. Let Christ shine through you. Let him, let him shine through your lampstand. Look at what he says. He says, they do not light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. They light a lamp and put it on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Your lampstand is your lifestyle. Your lampstand is your lifestyle. It's your testimony. It's how you live your life. It's what shows the light in you. Just like you have a lampstand, and on that lampstand, there's a light that's shining. Your lampstand is your lifestyle. So instead of trying to blend in your workplace or blend with your surroundings, let your light shine. Say to your neighbor, let your light shine. Many Christians play down their faith with non-Christians and shout it from the rooftops in church. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. Verse 16 says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We are to shine in order to impact. This verse is not a, a suggestion, it's a command. We are not here to get used to the dark, but to shine in the dark as his lights. Our light is to shine before Men. What does that mean? In other words, like I said earlier, it's a public exhibition. Our light, now listen, our light in itself, and this is very crucial, is not the good works. Because this is where we get it twisted. We think the light is if I help the person, if I do something good. No. Our light allows people to see the good works and glorify the Father. So the good works are being done, but the light will cause those good works to get people to glorify God the Father. Why is it that there's much good works being done by Christians, 
but it's never reference to Jesus or his kingdom. We don't mind your social action as long as you don't talk about Jesus. And you know what? We as fools embrace that foolishness. No. Our good works comes because of our light. You've gone quiet on me. Can listen to this again if you're not getting it. Because our light, the light that is supposed to shine is Jesus, is the gospel. He is the light. So the good works will cause us to shine or talk about or reveal Jesus and his gospel. And that is how people then make the connection with the good thing and the father. How many people have you seen? By their good works and all the social action they've done, it's caused many people to glorify the Father in heaven. I don't even now, at times, Christians will set up a school, a charity, and then after years later, the charity will disown Christ. Say, we want nothing to do with the, the Christian faith. Why? Because the good works are there, but they are not shining the light of the gospel. Beloved, the gospel of Jesus Christ, as simple as it is, is the most important message in the entire world. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever puts their trust in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's the most important. It's the most important message. It's the most important message. But today in churches, even we, we, we say there is the gospel and then there is wisdom. Oh, what nonsense. The gospel is the wisdom of Christ. Is the, the gospel is the wisdom of God. It's true wisdom. You listening to me on that. I said the gospel is true wisdom. Yeah. I'm just getting warmed up. I could preach for another hour, I'm telling you. But you would, you would go home. All of you would leave by the time I'm finished. I'm telling you. The gospel. It's true wisdom. And what I've discovered is that as church leaders, especially us, as time goes by, we become sophisticated. Not sophisticated, sophisticated. We become wiser than God. And we play down the very thing that has brought us up and we elevate other things that limit us. At times, even pastors these days, don't like to pray in tongues. They don't like to pray in tongues like how they used to. So when they're praying, when they're praying in public, they like to pray very polite prayers. Gracious Heavenly Father. But when they were younger, they liked to pray ambush kind of prayer. But now we are having dignitaries coming in. We, so we don't, when we stand to pray, gracious Heavenly Father, the angels are so bored. So this prayer is not helping us to do assignments. Come on, man. Listen, whatever journey God has me on, there is one thing I want to keep. That is being wild and radical when it comes to prayer. Whether it's corporate or whether it's on my own. Wild and radical. Pray for three hours. Pray for five hours. Roll on the floor and pray. Sleep and pray. Wake and pray. 
Fast and pray. Eat and pray. Play and pray. Because I want the light to burn. I want the fire to grow stronger and stronger and stronger. Some of you have known me since I was born again. You can decide for yourself. I want the fire to grow stronger and stronger and stronger. Yeah. Sometimes I read different commentaries and they talk about spiritual things. And I say to myself, I'm glad you didn't die on the cross. Because you see, that which we have seen, which we have handled, which we have looked upon, concerning the word of life, is how we are living our lives now. From the beginning till now, praying, fasting, seeking God, sharing the gospel, preaching, casting out demons, healing the sick. Yeah, we still cast out demons. I still cast, I still do demon, not exorcism. I still do it now. Some of you know it. Come to my office, if there's something, we talk and then come out, you devil. You're coming out now. I don't say it like that, so that will be, be very scary. Yeah. Do you want the light to shine? I said, do you want the light to shine? Say to your neighbor, let your light so shine. In 2018 and beyond, we are going to shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want the fire of God burning inside of us. Concerning John the Baptist, he said he was a bright and a burning torch. You enjoyed this light for a season. But I have a greater witness, Jesus said, than John. May you show the greater witness of Jesus Christ through your life. I said, may you show it through your life. Listen to me. I want to encourage you. Especially those of you who are coming in you. Don't look at some of these older Christians. You look at the way they handle their life, the way they pray, the way they are. They'll pull your, put your fire out. Listen, when I first got saved and I came into church, I saw some of the older Christians, and I looked at them very suspiciously, very suspicious. I said to myself, I do not want to be like that. Because they hardly ever went to any prayer meetings. They never went to evangelism. They never did, uh, when it was fasting time, they always had a reason why they had to go to some meal. Some meal. Yeah. I said, and I marked myself. I said, I don't want to be like that person. I looked around in church, and I could hardly see anybody. And I'm just telling you the truth. Karen, Karen knows my testament. I, I, I could hardly see anybody that I could emulate. So I decided we'll make up some of these things ourselves. And listen, even now, I say to the Lord, even when I go evangelism now, at times I don't know what to say. I, I feel so stupid. I feel stupid. I was like, Lord, I'm here now. Come on, send someone. I go up to someone and I say, so, oh, Lord, come on. Let me talk to someone at least. How many of you feel stupid sometimes when you're trying to obey God? Oh, you don't feel stupid. You just feel all cool. But you must keep pressing on. Can you say amen? amen? Yeah. We will continue in Jesus' name. I said we'll continue in Jesus' name. We're going to pray. So we're talking about letting your light shine. We're not talking about just doing some nice thing. We'll do food bank and all that stuff. We're not talking about that. Those are additives. We're talking about the real light, the real fire of God, the real power of God, signs and wonders light, supernatural light. Those of you, that's the kind of light you want to show. 
Jesus light. The kind of light that causes you to say no to the flesh. That says no to the devil. That says no to principalities. That can say no to death in the face of death. Tell him I'm not afraid of you. One day I was in my bed. I was sharing with some guys. I was in my bed. I went, I went on a mission somewhere. If I was my dad's house. I went on a mission. In, in fact, I went on a mission. And I was lying there, kind of, kind of sleeping. I don't know what I was praying. Suddenly I saw an apparition coming from the ceiling. And as it was coming, my legs began to go numb. I said, I said you have got to be kidding me. Wrong person. Wrong person. You are joking me. Never. You cannot. Me. You have got to be gone from here. Now, listen. When I was doing that, I couldn't even talk. I couldn't even move. I couldn't even speak. Fear was in the room, but I was not afraid. Are you listening? I said fear was in the room, but I was not afraid. I said, you have got to be kidding. We saw a move of God, a powerful move of God. Yeah. Another time. Each time I have these kind of things, at times something will happen is so powerful. One day, I went on holiday with Aish to Ghana. This many years ago before the children came and disrupted some things. <laughs> and in this holiday, my dad had a friend and his friend said, oh, tell your son to come and preach. I said, no, nah, I'm on holiday. So my dad kind of using his fatherly charm. I said, no. And then, but the wife said, you see, I wanted to preach, you see, but you don't, you're on holiday with the wife. You have to be careful. Otherwise, it could become an issue of marital counseling later. So I said, no, no, no. So I said, no, go ahead. It's okay. I said, are you sure? I said, yeah. I said, okay. I said, fine. I said, well, family charm couldn't work, but wife charm worked. And that's when I saw the supernatural like I've never seen it before. Never seen it before. What am I saying? When you make yourself available to God, regardless of circumstance, regardless of feeling, regardless of fear, regardless of failure, you make yourself available. There is light that is already there because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it will shine. And I'm praying that this church in the 2018 and beyond, as we seek to impact for Christ, will impact with his light. If that is your desire, Stand where you are. We're going to pray. As you stand, lift your hands to the Lord. We're going to pray that God's Holy Spirit, those of you online, you can join us as well. You can raise your hands where you are. But if you're driving, don't raise your hands. Otherwise, it could be a big problem. There's no angel to help hold this wheel. Raise your hands and tell him to begin to move upon your heart to transform you so that his light will shine. Begin to open your mouth. Lift your hands and tell him, Lord, I want your light to shine through me. I make myself available for your light to shine through me. I want to be a science and wonders Christian. I want to be a Christian whose light shines and reveals Jesus. Come on, tell him right now. Tell him. Father, in Jesus' name, we humble ourselves before you. We make ourselves available to you. As a church, we want to impact with the light of Christ. We want to impact with the power of God. We want to impact supernaturally. Oh God, 
we pray that this year, as we enter into this year, a new fire, a new zeal, a new hunger, a new passion will come upon this church. Father, revive this church. Revive this church. Stir up this church. Cause us to be on fire for Jesus. To be set on fire for Jesus. To be filled with the light of Jesus. The fire of the Holy Spirit. That burns the dross out of our lives. Father, we pray this. In Jesus' name. And I bless your people. I ask for grace upon them. Strength upon them. As they move forward to impact in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you.